you're just taking care of your own. I feel like that's the biggest thing of like being part of community is like to take care of your own. And I feel like, you know, with the big cleanup, we had opportunity uh, now to like pivot because it was like, there are things that I really would like to put my, my time into that are that, that aren't just like cleaning up the neighborhoods. But you know, I'm, I'm busy, I got a job, you know, we got jobs, wear a lot of hats, but uh, <laughs> like, you dig? <laughs> Let's go. Uh, but uh, at the same time, it's like, someone had told me from the first meeting of mine that we had that everyone needs to figure out what it is that they want to focus on and what, it, what the one problem they want to fix and just focus on that. You can't fix all the other problems. You're not, you, you literally can't. You won't be able to throw your energy to so many different ways. It's not about trying to fix the, the best problem or the biggest problem. It's about people individually focusing on the problem and then us throwing support to the people that's focusing on the problem. Rashad and this is Wear Many Hats presented by Jasar, where we talk about your main gig, then we talk about your side hustle. Aaron Ramy is a multidisciplinary artist, creative director, visual artist, and costume designer. He and Gianni Lee have a clothing brand called Babylon Cartel that puts out prints way before our time on t-shirts, jerseys, denim jackets, camo jackets that are worn by Rihanna and Young Thug. Aaron worked on the costume team for the films See You Later or See You Yesterday and Ooh, Judas. <laughs> It's all good. Wait, is it see you later or see see you yesterday? It's like oh. a, yeah, it was like a back. It's like a Back to the Future uh, inspired like film by like two black kids in uh, Brooklyn. Oh, that's fire! Okay, yeah. see <laughs> see you yesterday and yeah. Judas and the Black Messiah. Also, as a photographer, he's also been commissioned by brands such as Nike, Adidas, and Red Bull to produce campaigns for digital and social media platforms. Aaron now has his own practice where he releases products, exclusive designs, and does collaborative projects over at A Universe. A Universe fosters both inward and field explorations to benefit the individual, which in turn will benefit the community. The community shall replenish the individual, creating balance in the universe. Bro, I don't know how you come up with that shit. That shit is fire. <laughs> Research, regroup, reconstruct. We're here in Aaron's universe. Please welcome Aaron Ramy. What's good? What's good, man? Thank you for the intro. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> I kind of forgot some of those things too, and I was like, "Damn, bro, that sounds pretty cool." <laughs> They're all fire. I appreciate that. They're all fire. <laughs> Thanks, man. I really, no, nah, seriously, I appreciate that. Yeah. Where are you based right now? Where are you at? Uh, I'm based uh, in Brooklyn right now, uh, but I'm in between Brooklyn and LA. So it's like I'm in that I'm in that space where it's like I, I got rid of my spot that I had in downtown LA that I had for like six years. Mm -hmm. I had moved there in like 2013, and then I moved here into New York for a film to work on. See, yesterday actually, I moved here for that in 2018, just to be here for the summer. And then I just kind of like stayed around and got an apartment. I've been I don't know I kind of I kind of live in two cities, but I mostly live here in Brooklyn, though. 
I like it's all about that bi-coastal lifestyle right now. Oh, hell yeah, man. If you can, if you can do it, like if you got homies or if you have a space where you can like still do the things that you normally do at home at your home base, it's the best. It's so good. It's so good. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to live that lifestyle right now as we speak, but it's not happening. <laughs> yeah, where, where are you at? Where are you? I'm, I'm based in Brooklyn as well. I actually what? did run into you. I think it was earlier this summer on Tompkins. I used to live on Tompkins. Yeah, I think I remember that. Yeah, and I saw you. And I was like, "Yo, is that is that Aaron?" Like, I was I was on on the fly, but I I was just like, "Damn, that's great." That is Babylon Cartel back in Brooklyn because I knew that you guys were also yeah. out in LA. Yeah, yeah, we're both here. Uh, so yeah, we've been uh, like cultivating like new projects since we've been here too. Like, uh, they haven't been so much as like customer facing, but we're about to drop a few things that that's going to actually like get people excited again. But yeah, we're both here. Like we're both from Brooklyn. And then being from Philly, it's kind of like Brooklyn feels like Philadelphia. So it's like, it reminds me of West Philly so much. It's in terms of like different, I would say like income levels of people, the vibe in terms of like the art spaces that are around here. And like, just like the overall feel of like a major city, but like a neighborhood that's in a major city. Definitely. That's not that far from the city. You know? Definitely. When they say bedside strong, I really, it just brings back Philly. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. I think it's like, it's definitely like similar. Um, I think like what's, what's the difference between here and there, I say like, there's just more people. Our blocks are smaller and it's like less of like a Jamaican and African influence. But other than <laughs> that, like it feels like the same cities, man. I swear it feels the same. So many parallels. Definitely so many parallels. I don't know anything compared to Lover's Rock, ex except actually like the spots in West Philly on Baltimore Ave kind of remind me. Yeah, yeah, like the uh, on the bottom of our ass. Oh, yeah, you're talking about like like 48th Street, like 46th Street. Yes, area. yes. Yeah, yeah. It does have the same feel. And that's the pocket of West Philly where I'm from, too. Like, I'm from 38th and Brandywine, which is uh Mantua section. It's the bottom of West Philly. And it's a very, like, it's a very small, insular part of West Philly. It's literally called the bottom because it's where West Philly ends. And then it goes into, like, um, not U-City, but it goes into... The downtown area like there's that bridge that crosses on spring garden street that takes you right into like center city yes and it's literally a cut off from where all the neighborhoods are where like west philly like pretty much just ends right there so i guess is why they call it the bottom but like that area right there also neighbors west uh um u city so mm. all kinds of shares that same like like influx of like you know um i would say like college kids uh, uh college graduates in terms of like like a lot of the i'll say alumni still live there but then you have like a lot of like neighborhood people that still live in those areas and you have like some of the people that are like the um immigrant community both african asian uh middle eastern communities all live in that area they so do. it's these pockets of like this culture where it's just like all of these different types of folks and different income levels like all on top of each other and like blending with each other and there's hella restaurants over there. It's so many. Like, um, like local owned spots. It's some like, you know, some hipster spots, tattoo spots. You, it's a, there's like this big mosque that's over there. There's a lot of mm -hmm. there's a, um, big churches over there. But hella restaurants, man. It's like hella like little bars and stuff over there. Like it's really, it's really tight. West Philly was definitely one of those cultural lamp. Like it just brought everyone together. Like you said, I mean, Clark Park, you're like by Clark Park. Yeah, yep. I grew up over there too. I grew up going there. My grandmom lived in southwest philly which is like 55th at king session so she would take us to clark park 
And then when I was like in the down the bottom on 38th Street, we would ride our bikes to Clark Park and we ride it up the third, up the 40 something street. And then when I was in my grandma's, we would take it down. So I was always at that park, like growing up. Me too, even though I I just I just remember all the times I was there with like Sugar Shay. Yeah. Fish. Oh, Shay, that's my dog. <laughs> Yo, funny enough, I don't know if you knew this, but like me, Shay, Gianni, Johnny Rabbit from Animal House. And a homie of ours, Tiger, we had started a party in West in in, in LA because we all moved to LA and we were all mm-hmm. transplants from Philly. Well, and we were like, well, my boy's Tiger's from he's from New York, but we were all missing like that East Coast feel of like party styles in LA. So we all started a, a party, um, like called um, what was it called? House party. We started this party called House Party. I, damn, I almost forgot that. That's actually <laughs> cool. But no, it was pretty. It was pretty successful, man. It was like the only like real East Coast vibe in LA, and we was like, we held that, we held that thing down, honestly. And is it? It's still going, right? No, it's not going anymore. We all kind of like disbanded and disbanded and went our own separate ways. But uh, yeah, that was a thing. That was like a really like unique time in LA. This was like twenty, I would say 2018, 20, 2017, 2018, until we just stopped doing it. But that thing was, it was special, man. It was special. It was like a, we had a house, we actually like had a house in like Koreatown. Um, Selena Carrera's house actually too, was another uh, artist from Philly. It was her crib in LA. So we were all just like East Coast people throwing this crazy ass Project X type party. Nice. And it was like the only party that, that had that vibe. It was the only party that stayed late. That was a house party. Like nobody else had that energy, that energy that we felt like we were missing like from Philly. We had to bring that there and recreate it. And I think that's like always one of the things that, you know, we, I, I can say like just being part of Babylon Cartel, that was kind of always our thing was to build our own thing that, that we felt like was lacking instead of just complaining about what was missing. Of course, of like, course. Like we got tired of complaining about things. It was like, let's just make something, man. Let's just like do our own parties, start our own clothing brand, do our own shows. Like it's too many, it's too many people complaining about the same things and always. like it's not enough people with perspective making enough. So no. it's always cool to see when people do that too. Everything you just said about house party just reminds me of West Philly right there. Yo, bro, I swear it was a West Philly party. Like it was hot, it was sweaty. It had the outside, inside, but then we also had like this garage access. So we, we would open the garage up and have like a have a band perform or an artist perform. So it would be like inside would be like a sweaty house party. And then you go outside and it'd be like an actual live performance at the same time. Nice. We would just play like party music like jersey club philly club like just a reggae this east coast shit like the stuff that we grew up on like it was it was it was the best bro oh philly club when you say philly yeah. club i think of dj sega yeah yo sega's a oh my god shout out to sega yo like i i got to i got to like come up with that crew like that 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 mad decent crew mm-hmm. like all those dudes uh swizzy dirty south joe sega uh shit who else was part of that no diplo like all those like really like heavy hitters and like the dj scene those dudes like girls are special bro like that that time from philly i think that time was insane it was so insane musically like there was so much dance so many dance tracks was coming out of like philly at that time and then just like so many moments like were happening in philly at that time i think like i think a lot i think that time specifically is is part of the reason why there's like a Babylon Cartel. There's an Animal House. There's a Tierra Wack. There's a Lucy Bird. There's yes. a There's an Andrea Valle because of the, because of that was the first time like the new generation had something 
that can call their own. And we can like, it can be ours instead of like being influenced by New York or influenced by Jersey or influenced by, you know, like Delaware or whatever, or the surrounding, surrounding areas of like, this was ours. And that cultivated so many new ideas from Philly, man. So it's interesting. Cause like there's, there's, there's sets of parties and there's photos I've seen with all of us all in the same room at like a DJ Sega set. Oh like yeah. Of Maddie course. Block party. Like, I thought he was crazy. the greatest, one of the greatest DJs of our time. I mean, I, I've had his like mixtapes like on CD. I was just like, I was all about that. I would try to yeah. go to a lot of DJ Sega's shows. This was like Philly club was Philly club for me. Mm-hmm. And then, and then all the homies like introduced me to Baltimore club. And I was like, damn, Philly club is just like, just super. This is grittier. It's grittier. It's grittier. Yeah, it's grittier. It's faster. The BPM is a little faster too. Yes. I think like Baltimore Club is at like 140. Yeah. Like 130 to like 145. I think Philly's is like 150. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken. Like it's faster. It's aggressive. It's louder. It's like it's not as sing songy. Like it's not of like, but it's definitely like that's the energy of Philly though. That's like, the energy. That's the energy. We just we high energy, aggressive, like non apologetic and in your face, like. We got our own version of what you got too. Like whatever y'all got, whatever y'all doing, we got our own version too. That's how Philly is. Like, I also love that all the homies can DJ. Oh hell yeah, man! That is the best part. It's like I never have to pay for shows. No, all my friends are DJs. All all the homies are DJs. <laughs> like, I didn't even know Johnny could DJ, and I'm like, wait, yep. why? Why would Johnny's that even nice. cross my? Yeah, Johnny's yep, nice. Yep. Johnny's nice. Johnny started DJing because of House Party. Like, that was around the time Johnny started DJing, too, when we started that party, too. So that was cool to see. He, he really kind of jumped off after that. After that party, he started doing his own thing and, like, really, like, started snapping. But, yeah, everybody can spin, man. It's, like, crazy. Now, even Corey, because, um, you know, starting with Babylon Cartel, you know, we started it. It was, like, you know, um, Corey and uh, Corey Towns and Mark Rice were also, like, members of Babylon Cartel as well. And, like, um, now Corey's... You know, he's out there killing it in New York. Oh, he's out here killing it. And Mark now is like making music and he's killing it. Like, so it's dope. Like everyone, everyone has like a pocket, a musical pocket that they're like been staying in and kind of like reestablishing, like, I don't know, their tastes or just like establishing their footprint in music now with like performing or or creating. I think it's, it's super tight to see. At that time in Philly, Babylon Cartel was one of the clothing brands that I knew heavily within the party scene along with animal house yeah and you two were just like i love that you guys are like super close homies like there was yeah. no like battling each other you guys always wanted yeah. to wear it together and always come to like each other's like events and yeah that was glory days you, yeah man it was, i feel like it was like a like glory golden era like for like the internet especially for like the internet community right like around that time you gotta think about it it was like 2005 was when i went to temple so I'm showing my age here with this. But like two, <laughs> 2005 was when I went to Temple. Gianni was already there. He was there a year before I was. So when I got there, we were like going to parties and we were trying to figure out like, yo, like there's something missing. Like, cause we were from Philly and we would go to these parties at Temple and we were like, yo, there's still an element y'all not tapping into because a lot of y'all are just like transplants. So y'all really don't know y'all missing this element. Mm-hmm. So it's like, we started doing our own thing. So, so we started doing our own parties and that's where uh, at the same time, we wanted to start a clothing brand. So it was like, yo, how could we like figure out a way to, you know, brand this clothing brand and and also just throw parties? We was like, let's just 
Babylon Cartel presents, like, you know, some college kid shit. Not even thinking about like where it could go. Bro, we started throwing parties and we were like out, we were like out doing like the frat house parties. Like oh, our parties were that popping. Like it was it was kind of wild. But then, so that's, but we took over like the, U, not the UPenn, we took over like the Temple campus. So Animal House was like, at the same time, they were starting their thing and they were doing it at UArts and, um, and uh, what was it? Uh, UArts. And Art Institute. Art Institute, yeah, downtown. So they had downtown, we had North Philly. Oh, so everybody, nice. so we would hear about people going to different parties and people come to their parties or be going to our party and, and be like, yo, yeah, we leaving to go in downtown to this other party called the Animal House Party. So we're like, one of our nights we had a party, we're like, yo, we keep hearing about these dudes. So one night we had one, it was like, fuck it, let's just go to their party. Same, even though it was back to back, they had a party, we had a party. So we was like, yo, let's just go. I'm going to go check it out. I'm like, yo, this is, this is dope. Like, it's not, it wasn't even our vibe exactly, but it was like, it still was something that we felt like was missing in the party scene too. And then, you know, we got connected with Johnny. Um, and then what ended up happening was Johnny ended up doing our first website for Babylon Cartel. Wow, right there. So, right there. It was like after meeting him at the parties and and us doing like similar things and having seven, you know, similar outputs, which was like young kids, a clothing brand who wanted to get into streetwear, who didn't want to make necessarily what was out there with streetwear, but had their own voice and felt like, you know, streetwear could be like the platform for that. T-shirts and and hoodies could be like, you know, a platform to like have an expression with art in this way. And also having a community, you know, engagement factor. Like there's a there's a way to like we didn't we, we, we wanted to be recognized and we wanted to party at the same time. But we also had something that we wanted to get across. And I felt like that was like the culmination of like really what the Internet was turning into back then. Because they had a blog as well. And we had a blog. Thanks to Johnny, you know, helping us get the blog right. But we had a blog and then also what like DC to BC was doing in like DC and in Boston. Mm. It was all happening around the same time. Madbury Club was doing their thing. Like they all were. of us was happening. It was all happening at the same time. Shit, Ellerton went to Temple. We knew Ellerton around the same time from um, like 2006, 2007. I think we knew all those dudes from just Temple and doing the same stuff. Like we, we had similar outputs. Like I think it was a really interesting time in Philly because that was right before a lot of artists were popping though. So it was like parties were the thing. So it was like parties, parties, parties. And then now these new artists are like coming out and these kids like either from the burbs or from the streets or from, or from, or transplants from college, college areas. And they just needed a place to perform. They just yeah. needed a place to get their shit off. And I think it was like, we created like the newness in the Philadelphia pocket with the college scenes on both the art side and like the regular college university side, that it was like, if you wanted to get in with the cool kids, you had to come through the colleges. Like mm -hmm. it, that's just what it was. And- It's the only way. It was like literally the only way. And it was like, but at the same time, the internet was, start, was starting to grow. It was very blog heavy. It was before social media really pops. Like Facebook was just popping around that time too. So it was like, all the party flyers would be on Facebook. All the party images would be on Facebook. Oh my God. Was, I remember everything was done by like Facebook events. Yeah. Facebook events. Like, you know, Facebook <laughs> events was how you got the word out back then. There was no like just dropping it today and hoping everybody comes. Like there was no secret shit. It was just straight up just Facebook events. Yeah. That was the key. The, the blog, I remember the blog days. The blog days were great. Cause it all, it always like accompanied with like, um, um, like this is before SoundCloud or anything like that. It just like came with like, like a 
you could download tracks or whatever. Yeah. And that's and if you liked it, you'd play it at your set or that whatever you like. And, and then all those legendary venues like the Blockly, mm -hmm. you would just like pull up and catch a catch show, bro. You would catch like some of like like you catch like spank rock back then and just randomly or like MIA would randomly be at those shows and pull up because exactly. she was recording with like Diplo around, around that time and it was all in the Philadelphia pocket scene. Like there was just so much history, I think, being like welded in Philly. Yeah, what do you think? Like, why, like, why do you think that? Why is like Philly? That's why like everyone is, everyone puts Philly on the map, but everyone yeah. leaves Philly. I think it's because Philly doesn't have a big enough industry to keep the people there. The entertainment industry is not big enough for the people that want to be there. And I feel like the opportunities were really at shows. Like, mm -hmm. I think Philadelphia, I mean, if, you, if we're just being honest in terms of just like, you know, progression, like in terms of like how people migrate, if you're migrating from the South, you know, before you get to New York, you're going to have to go past Philly. And there was like, there was, a, there were black communities that were already there. And it were like very rich communities that was, that were already being cultivated. And what happens is like, all right, we can continue to migrate up to New York or we can like kind of find this pocket here, which is like only two hours away. Still a big city, still has a big city vibe, still has, you know, a lot of industry with the, with the warehouses, there was a lot of warehouse workers around that time. They were like, people were like migrating up and steel mills and stuff. Cause my, my grandfather, my great grandfather, how we got to Philadelphia was from him getting a job at Campbell's. Oh, uh, he was originally from Georgia and my great grandfather moved 12, him and his 12 kids up to Philadelphia with my grandmother. And my, my, my family still owns that house to this day. Nice. So I feel like it's, it's like Philly has such a rich history though on the music side too, with like Sigma Sounds and just like Broad Street and that Broad Street sound being a thing in the mutant, like with Gamble and Huff and like Dre and Vidal, different eras, but still like being rich in like the soul and R&B and rhythmic sounds and, and rap. And then gangster rap being also formulated in Philly, like the first gangster rapper came out of Philly. So it's like, there's there's just music. It's, I think it's a musical or just a creative like breeding ground for talent because it's just like one of those other cities like, you know, New York, Baltimore, Chicago, the Bay, where like it's a place where artists can thrive and cultivate. And there's a lot of the community there because there's a lot of people that already came from there. So people in their minds when they're there, when you're from these places, you get inspired by the stories you hear or the music you hear. And you come in, come in and figure out like, oh, shoot, like one of the best drummers is from Philadelphia or one of the one of your favorite artists is. Their, their trumpet player is from Philadelphia. Mm. So you get inspired by the, these, even the smaller stories or the unsung heroes that you don't really hear about. And then like also the bigger stories where it's like Michael Jackson and Jackson 5 recorded like a lot of the albums in Philadelphia. Of course. I think like there's just like this passed on language that doesn't get talked about in the grand scope of Philadelphia as the history. But I think as being from Philadelphia, you, you know these stories because like your aunts and uncles talk about it all the time at barbecues or there's this like this pride of being from a place where, you know, one of the biggest party records was like recorded at like, so it's like, I don't know if there's more of a, there's a lot of history that goes on like word of mouth, but there's also like the history that people just know about Philly. Mm -hmm. But the pride thing I think comes from the exchange of like history through different generations, different generations. Yeah.
I think it just kind of stays around. It kind of just lingers. It's like it's like a heavy overcast of the city. Like yeah. everyone knows it's, it's historical. People have came from here or came to here to do something here. Like even Sunrod like spent hella time in Philly, like in Germantown. Like one of his, I think before he, I'm not, I don't want to, don't quote me on this, but I think before he passed, he still was living or had spaces, had his space in Germantown where him and his orchestra was. So there's just so much, man. I think it's just, I don't know. Maybe it's like a burial ground or something. Maybe like a lot of like, I don't know. It's a lot of energy that just magnetically pulls people to this place, but also the people that's from here are insanely talented. People don't sleep on Philly. It's just, you can't. It's just Philly really does its own thing, but if you want to evolve, yeah, you like bounce, you take a little breather outside of Philly. Yeah. I think for me, like, if, just, just speaking on it, I think it's crazy because I was talking about this uh, in a tweet the other day, and someone said to me, I was like, I said this, I was like, I feel like, you know, what I just said earlier, I feel like there's, a, there's not as much industry or there's a glass ceiling in Philadelphia and that's because there's so much talent. And I think because there's so much talent and it's a lack of like offices, like you gotta think about it. People, why people from Atlanta pop off a lot is because like there's hella record companies, offices tons, in Atlanta, tons. so many. Like LA Reed's office was in Atlanta. Like of course talent's gonna come out of here. There's no, there's, there isn't enough big, big industry here, right here while I'm, I'm in Brooklyn, but big industry in Philly for the artists to actually be able to have some sort of backing to be able to do what they do or to have a platform to do what they do. So that's why a lot of artists do leave. I think the problem really is that a lot of artists don't come back. And I was talking to a, a, an, an elder of mine, uh, Tyve Smith, and he was talking about like how so many, so many people that leave Philly, influential people, it's like, like Will Smith, The Roots, whomever, like us, Whoever, the Uzis, Tierras, like I think Tierra still actually, I don't want to quote me, I think she does live still in Philly or around the area. But if you think about these these people, you know, we don't have any political um, say so anymore once we leave Philadelphia. And that yes. was one of the things that, you know, Taiba brought to my attention. I've never thought about that. Like there's, there's, like, is there so much? Uh, yeah, shout out to Taiba, man. He's like definitely one of those people that, like, early on helped us out a lot in terms of like, showing us the right paths and also introducing us to like the people from Live Nation. I'll give you like, you know, a, a rundown of like how we got into the whole Live Nation sector and started doing like shows. But yeah, he made a point where, where it was like people from Philly who are very influential, who have more influence over the city than they think, than they know they have, who leave the city, they never move back to the city. So they can't even vote on the policies. They can't even say to help make change. Like so true. everyone's so far removed that even with the culture is happening with kids day to day, or the people day to day that they don't even know how to interject some of the things that they've learned to give back to the community. And then the people that are still there are still looking for a way out. So there's this like, it's like the cycle has to be broken somehow. Like, I don't, I don't know, you know, I know I'm trying to figure out my part in it. But I can't say like where I can see like there's a culture of, you know, people leaving and then coming back and bringing the gold nuggets back to the city, you know? And I think that's where the city is lacking, honestly. Because there's things in this infrastructure that a lot of these talented kids and these people, period, can have access to, but there's no structure there for it to happen. And then there's a lack of funding. I mean, like, not for nothing. When I when I was in high school, I didn't have a, a art class or a music class. That's wild. And I'm and I'm an artist. 
Like I make all my money off art, like off, off creativity. Like it's insane. Like, and I still went to like a, a, and then my school, I had to test to get into that school. It was like, I'm supposed to be a magnet school. We didn't have any funding for art or music. That's crazy. Or computer class or computer class. And I, I make all my money off the internet. <laughs> well, before I was working at Phil, I was making all my money off the internet and creating stuff on the internet. So it's like, on one hand, you know, I didn't have the resources growing up, but on the other hand, you know, I, luckily I was able to build community and learn things and just figure out a way to express myself still. But um, yeah, I think it's, it's just a lack of funding, really, a lack of opportunity for a lot of people. And, you know, somebody had said to me, it was like, well, no one, the people that actually leave don't want to build the opportunities here. And that was something I was like, I, I totally get that. But at the same time, it's like, you know how it is. You, you've been in, you've been, you know how networking goes. You, you, you only as strong as your network. And sometimes you have to go outside or to travel or to be in another city and put your pole down and like put your flag down and be like, all right, I'm here now. And then now you'll be able to network and be able to bring all of the resources back in to help strengthen what it is that you're doing. And if your goal is, is a community mindset, you should be able to still be able to take those things back home. Yeah. But it's very, very hard. Cause at the end, it is. It's so my brand, it, it came up in Philly. I tell people it's a Philly brand, but as the years go by, it's very slowly transitioning into a New York brand completely. Mm. And I'm slowly forget, not forgetting my roots, but it's like dissipating. And it's like, yeah, of course I'm like, my driver's license has changed over to New York, you know, like everything yeah. has changed over to New York, but learning about politics and everything was mostly in New York than in Philly because in yeah. Philly people didn't talk about that much. Yeah. I mean, as we were talking, we were just all going to parties. Yeah. And we were young. <laughs> we were young. Yeah. Exactly. There was no like our community no was the parties. Yeah. Right. Right. So to come back to, to do a whole 180 and be like, all right, I want to go back to Philly and just like, take everything I've learned in New York and bring it back to Philly. It's different because like, I don't know how f much Philly has progressed in a way where New York has always been yeah. progressing, like constantly. I feel like it has. Yeah. And then, but Philly's just so small. And I feel like, so when it does, when the things do progress, it's just hard to see. Cause it's not a small city, but it's smaller in terms of like how New York is. And then, it's just not as much international business exactly. happening. So you don't see the things echo out as, as, as wide, but the, but the changes have been happening. And, you know, even, even now, like I've even like, again, like talking to people like Tahib, you know, who's helping to like, you know, create real infrastructure in like these, you know, impoverished communities. Like he's even doing something where they're creating like these community centers where they're bringing in real resources and real teachers and real life, like application for a lot of the things that they're teaching. I think so. I'm starting to see, like, and off the top of my head, I can't think of the name of this company. That's why I like, <laughs> full shout out. So my bad, Titan. If you can hear this, I know you're gonna kick my ass for that. But um, he has several projects where he's like, and, I, and we I've talked with him about this. He has several projects where they're where they're initiating like the actual change. So it's, it, it is happening. You know, it's I think it's just the echoes just don't ring out as much. And then sometimes the, the things that's happening isn't necessarily for us. Like this might be for the next generation, for the youth. And so it's just, and then if like if it's smaller, you can't touch as many kids. You know what I'm saying? You might only be able to touch 15 when there's a cities of you know hundreds of thousands, million people in the city. So it's like I think it's just it just happens 
differently. And it is like a lot of people that are still in a lot of the same scenarios. Um, and you do see the same things happening over and over. But I do see the change as well. Like when I go back, I do I do see changes and I do, you know, I have had conversations with people where things are starting to change. But um, I think like looking at it, how like how we came up, right? It was like, again, we started in at Temple. Uh, we started as a clothing brand and then we wanted to do parties. And then we met someone in Philadelphia. We met uh, Taib, who I'm talking about now. He introduced us to someone at Live Nation. And then that's how we got to get our first like marketing gig with a major corporation. So we worked with Live Nation to, to promote all of their hip hop shows for their underground for their underground hip hop shows. So it was like an underground meaning like their that underground back then was the internet. So that was ASAP Rocky, Kendrick Lamar, uh, uh, Schoolboy Q, Little B, um, Macklemore, all these dudes. Yeah, like I can't believe promoted you promoted shows, but we promoted them as. Yeah, we did. And this was back early back in the day when right before like he popped off yeah. something crazy. So we did all their first shows in Philadelphia because we got linked in with someone in, in Live Nation and we marketed the shows as a Babylon Cartel Presents. So since we couldn't do like get like, you know, numbers, numbers off the ticket sales, we were like, okay, cool. We look at this as a branding opportunity for us to be able to make the brand like more legitimate and also make it more synonymous with like the event space because it was like, the TBA access to the TLA. Legendary. The TLA is, is a legendary venue and it's like legendary, legendary venue. So you think about it, we had a legendary venue, some of the, all the up and coming uh, rappers and artists and singers that come in, come in from the internet are coming into the real world. And we're doing all their first shows and they're all Babylon Cartel presents. And then all the merch that's being sold was like artist merch and then our clothing brand. So it was like, so what, so what it did was it took the brand from just being like a, like it took it from being just like, okay, these guys are throwing parties to these guys are actually throwing concerts Brilliant. and actually having like actual merch at the shows. So this was before, like, you know, you would see anybody from like, you know, from our walk of life, honestly, any like young college dude that was on the internet selling t-shirts, no one was doing anything like that, but that so broke good. the chains off of like what we can really do that also, you know, allowed us to see, you know, how people, how music moves culture and how music and streetwear and fashion all, all, all kind of like, you know, have this like, have this like, it's the driving force for like really changing culture and seeing like how those expressions of art along with like an actual event space where you can house these things and having the money to do those things, how that changed like the outscope of like what you really can do with the message. So I think tie in like our taste in music along with our taste and style and design, it made the language more richer. I think, it, and, it, and it made people, it, it, made, it made it easier for people to digest. And then it made people just take it ser more serious because we were doing it with Live Nation and it's at the TLA. So it's like that echoed. And But even that happening in Philly allowed us to see like, okay, this is an actual ceiling because we couldn't make no money off the venue we couldn't make no, we couldn't get our own show without actually like getting like a discounted yeah. booked rate. So it means we had to make a certain amount of money. It's genius. And then it was like, there was really like a balance of like what we could really do. So it was like, okay, let's just like max this out as much as we can, take the same concept, do our own thing at another venue. And what that led us to do was like start another party series. And then from there, we moved to LA. 
because we realized there wasn't much we could do, but just yeah, you guys maxed still out. have a cap. We still yeah. a cap that like how much we could really make maxed out. But if but if, if it wasn't for like the the community that we were part of in Philadelphia, I don't think there would be even like room for us to even make like the jump we made with confidence to be able to go to Los Angeles and then like kind of take the party element away from the brand and kind of focus more on the clothing to develop actual clothing. And I think our confidence level was just so high because of what we did in the city. It has made us like jump on a, jump on a plane, like a one way, I bought a one way ticket to LA. Uh, I think G, G did the same thing. I think he left like maybe like two months before me. Actually crazy story was me, Gianni wow. and Quinta. We all left at the same time. So wait, Quinto's also from like, Philly all too. All like staying together at this place in uh, Chris. Wow. Yeah, Quinto. Quinto Bruss is from Philly. Yeah. So she went to Temple with us. Uh, me and her worked at Apple together. Like that's so we all moved together. Like her, her and Gianni went to high school together. So like we've been friends and known each other since all this shit was like honestly starting. And we all moved to LA together because we realized it was like, yo, the things that we're really trying to do here, it's going to take us so long to get there. And in the climb that we're trying to do it, we have to like, like we were like young in our twenties, like we're not trying to be 30 doing the same race. Like we want to, we want to be able to get to, we want to get to and meet the people that we need to meet to be able to, to magnify what the hell we were doing. So moving to, so moving there to move to LA was like probably the best thing we did. It, It was like, it's, but also like, for us to be able to, like I said, to be able to do and make real products and have a real effect on the world, like from an art standpoint as well, I saw what it did to a lot of kids that were still in Philly from our, from our community, from that scene that we have, we started to like, I won't say we created, but we created in a, a space for it. Like, or we, we, we helped to, or we helped to light a fire because like there were a lot of young kids that came to our parties too, who kind of took what we were doing when we left and made their own thing. And we saw this even a lot of our homies, how that us leaving, how that inspired other people to like kind of step up and do the same thing. So it was like, and one and one thing, yeah, in one way it's like, oh yeah, if you guys wouldn't have left, y'all could have done all that in Philly. But another thing is like, we kind of made room for whatever else could come after by us getting out the way. And so it's like, in one way, like people would be like, oh yeah, y'all should have did it, da, 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 da. But in another way, it's like, now look at where the culture is now. It's like, I'm not saying that we are the sole, you know, we are one of the people, one of the brands or one of the, you know, uh, I would say like, it's one of the voices that was loud enough to like make people like look like, hey, this is counterculture, this shit is cool, it's profitable and it's unique. Y'all should be on this wave to help, to help, I guess, like make the voice louder for everyone else behind us, but at the same time, make it an actual culture. Because really it was nice. so niche back then. It was so small. There wasn't yeah. that many folks that were really on it yet. Like us and us being from West Philly and being from the hood, like the hood kids didn't really come to a lot of our parties because they were like, man, there's a bunch of weirdos here, man. It's a bunch of, you know, white kids wearing, wearing, wearing like, I don't know, rave clothes. It's like, there's some hipsters in here. It's like, there's black people with, 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 with wooden necklaces on. Which is so like, bizarre. Like, because I remember the other the other day you you posted a story of gilly right dancing and i used to i actually used to like gilly's music which is kind of wild and now he's like come up with his podcast and like his his other co-host that is like part of his family but wallow and 
yo, shout out to those two, and their podcast is hilarious. But yo, Gilly does some hilarious shit that oh, now the hood like approves. And now the hood, right, right. And it's interesting, but it's like, all right, so all right, I got to break these down. All right, so this is from my perspective because like I was growing up, I was the hood, I was a kid from the hood that was the artsy kid. I was the kid that was like that dressed different, that wasn't scared to wear something wild. Like, but at the same time, you know, that confidence for me to do that came from all the dudes I saw in the hood. Like my uncles and my cousins, like they would, they were, they was fly. They would just wear fly, this fly gear. Like they would, they would sell drugs, but they also would, you know, they would, they would dress immaculate, bro. I'm talking about they would put the polo together with the with the with the Air Force Ones in a way I just never seen before. So they just got me, that got my, my taste for like wanting to dress a certain way. Not not because they didn't dress different, they just dressed loud. They were flashy. So my so me being into, you know, like anime and also being into like like I was also into heavy into basketball and like military, military, uh just tactical everything. So I always was mixing and matching all that and trying to make like all those things fit together. But I had to Wild. earn the right to dress like that. Like my cousins used to fry me for dressing the way I used to dress. Like what they used to have so many jokes. So I had to learn how to have jokes. I had to I had to learn how to build tough skin because like I had in order for me to be myself, I had to build the barrier of confidence around myself. My family members were the ones that actually was like, "All right, <laughs> we're gonna check you first. We're gonna let you do it, but we gonna we're gonna we're gonna check you first. So what it made me realize was like, yo, like like a lot of people in the hood just wasn't with being anything, wasn't with, you know, a different expression of like free form blackness or whatever. And it just wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't because like they didn't like it. They just didn't know oh, how to like it. You know what I'm saying? I, I know that because after I started dressing a certain way, I used to see my little cousins start doing the same thing. Or I had one of my older cousins come to me like, yo, bro, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even wear that. I No, I, he'd be like, yo, Yo, bro, like you, you the only person get away with that. I was like, no, bro, you can wear this. You can wear the same thing. Like, bro, I wouldn't even try that, but that's fire. These are like my older cousins, my street, street, that street dudes that were now coming up to me. Like, now I see them yeah. start wearing certain colors and wearing clothes a certain way. These are like dudes 10, 15 years older than me. And I got the young ones coming up, they the same thing. And now I'm seeing them all like they're all doing the exact same thing I was doing. Now they all got the gold clothing go. brands. They all start their own lines, they all designing. Like everyone's finding their own language. So it's like it's interesting because like when you break the when you break the mold because like being from the hood it's like everything's about like keeping things right yeah keeping things it's a, it's a structure it's it. a language it's a culture and it's like and you don't want to break it but at the same time things got to be broken so people can know that that actually that's sometimes so those things still are like a prison because like you're building yourself a, like a, a, a sandbox to play in but like you don't really need just a sandbox you can just kick the walls off of that and put the sand everywhere so it's like with Babylon Cartel, how that ties into it was like we were like me and Gianni and like and and Mark like we all from West Philly, but we were like the dudes that were like into different stuff, but we were like still hood kids. So it was like we would try to get the hood dudes to come to our parties. They were like, man, this is a bunch of like college kids and hipster kids. And then it was like we try to get the hipsters to come to some of our parties, and they were like, well, I mean, <laughs> are like a little too hood, so we don't know if like we got some hood dudes here. So it would be that you would see like the hipster people kind of being like, uh. And we see like some of the hood dudes kind of be like, uh, and everybody, but it was like, it's just people that was in the middle. But it was like some people that were still in the middle that was like, yo, nah, man, I'm rocking with this. And then that made everybody else that were kind of on the outskirts who were like, 
all the way hipster or all the way hood kind of find their way their meeting ground Dead. in the middle it just took time for it to happen but originally the hood just hood just didn't mess with it at first because it, it was just it was too forward thinking they weren't even on the internet to even know who asap rocky was back then or even know why we were in leather or why we were wearing all these crazy clothes or why we were in 80s gear to, to, to school yeah. in 2006 it was like they did they because they, they, they didn't see it yet so, but once they saw it and they and they saw that you know same thing like i think we embodied that that toughness that callous that we had from like growing up in the neighborhood of being the creative kids being the rt kids and took that into our brand and that gave us more confidence to like withstand some of the like you know when people wouldn't come come to the shows or people would tell us like oh that's too colorful or people would tell us you know, or that's too future. And then now, as soon as Rihanna wore one of the jackets, yeah. everybody was down. Everyone's, everyone's, everyone's design language changed and it became a hot item because it needed a it yes. needed validation. So this is very much a place where celebrity yeah. validation is key. I know. And it's, it sucks to say that, but it, it is like that. It's so much like that. The city's been that way since forever. Like one, soon as somebody pop in, validates it, it's 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 law. Now people are with it. They're down. They're down to try it. Down to taste it. They're down, they're down to go there. And it's interesting though, but it's not their fault. I mean, you can't fault people for like you know being tied to celebrity approval because that's the way they set the game up. The game is set that way. It's not the people's fault for being, you know, under the influence of an oppressive system that ties For all sure. of their values into celebrity. So when they see a celebrity that, that represents their values, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna try it because that celebrity did it because all their values have already been given to the celebrity, but unbeknownst to them. So it's like, it's, you know, you can't really blame people. That's why I never, that's why I never got like, I was never one of them dudes that was like, oh man, I just, oh damn, y'all not, y'all not messing with about F y'all, I'm not messing with y'all. And it was like, no, these are my people. Like y'all gonna come around, <laughs> y'all gonna figure it out. Y'all just not ready yet. That's cool. Cause I know I know how it is. I know how it works. Like y'all just not ready yet. When when y'all when y'all ready, y'all figure it out, and then they figure it and out. And you shoot a lot yeah, of amazing. All right, first off, your photography on the side, brilliant. It's great. And the models that you shoot, Thank you. Thank I've you. seen the models that you shoot that in the past they've. Like that was like three, four years ago. And today they're they're doing their thing. They're killing it. Yeah. 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 I have this all right. So with photography, um, I think that also came from like what I did with like Babylon. It was like a thing for, for me was like to always look for somebody that had it regardless of where they were at with it. Like regardless of the following, regardless of like the the, the level of pictures they're taking, regardless of you know, if anybody knows them, like just even knows them at all, not even at the bottom, but even like anybody knows them. I'm, I'm very much into like finding like just hidden talent or like the underdog. So I feel like that's what we were. So like, I feel like a lot of my, my, my castings have come from, that's come from that. I think with my experience, like coming up and out and looking for those folks, then I just watch like, you know, right after that, like they'll work with another photographer that I know or a brand that I know that follows me will go behind and like work with that person because I shot that person. So I think it's dope. Like, you know, in a sense, like those people can now pop off whether I helped or not or whatever, like, oh God, or, you know, pick them before someone else picked them, whatever, whatever the case is. Like, I think it's just dope to be able to be able to see that in people regardless of like what everyone exactly. else 
uses as the measuring stick because I think that's just like, I think that's just like the way to stay true. It's like, if you can make choices, even in your art practice, like that help you stay true, your expression will, will I guess like, I guess ring that way as well. But yeah, I've always been down to look for, look, look for people who like, who have it, like, cause the it factor doesn't, is sometimes it's just, it's yeah. not necessarily like massaged yet, or it's not, it's not just brought to, or it's not influenced yet, or it's not, watered yet you know and i feel like sometimes like it'd be dope to just put in new faces man new faces are like I mean, your, ca- so your casting has been so prolific for like your costume designing in movies and television shows mm-hmm. i remember when judas mm-hmm. and the black messiah came out and my my homie cam was getting gear for it i also saw that you were also working on it, I was like, yo, is this a Philly thing too as well? Like everyone coming together and yeah, that's, it all like synchronized. But I know, but it's- No, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't even, but it was like, even for that job, just to like, you know, just to make sure like, you know, it doesn't get misconstrued. I didn't costume design that job. You did say it earlier, like, but uh, I was on the costume team for that one. But uh, I have been like, you know, hired to costume design a few films since that project too. Yeah, with that team, man, that, that was just like a culmination. Like that was one of the most unique experiences I've ever been a part of. Like, I wish I could put it all into words, but I've always been inspired by the Black Panther Party, even like just, just all of the social justice movements for, you know, freeing people, black people from oppression or freeing people from oppression, period. That's even where the name Babylon Cartel comes from. It's derived from what West Indians call America. And the, the concept of Babylon Cartel is like Babylon, we're, we're the cartel that's infiltrating ba- infiltrating the Babylon. So we're the organization that's doing the reverse COINTELPRO. So it was inspired like, a lot by like the COINTELPRO and how they infiltrated the black community. So we looked at it like, okay, cool. We're gonna, we're gonna learn all these, we're gonna learn all these secrets and get all these tactics and then take them and give them back to our people. Like that was like the concept of like Babylon was to go out into the world, go out into the Babylon and steal everything we can in terms of knowledge and resources and whatever, and then bring them back to the folks and give it and disperse it back to the folks that, that kind of was like the concept of the brand no you you said it perfectly of like how i was always wondering how babylon cartel came up with the name so gianni actually originally dreamt dreamt it it was a dream so he had a dream that he had and it was i gotta give him that he's, he's one i gotta keep it real gotta keep it on it he dreamt it he told a friend this girl he had a dream of like babylonian cartel and the girl was like you'll just shorten it to babylon cartel and then we like we did he had a dream about it, so we had to sit down and really think about what it meant so we all talked about what it meant and what it could mean and that's where we, we ended on it it feels like everything has like tied together for you even working on the film for casting and costume design and i, th- I was saying how like with that job oh yeah because i was again like i was my bad i'm gonna go back over this but i was inspired a lot by the colon a lot by the black panther parties so be to work on that project was kind of like a full circle moment because even that, those those groups of artists, like on like, from cast to crew, I feel like I was around the best artists of our time at the highest point of their time. I think me and I think you know I would think I was operating myself at you know at a very high point as well. So, but this but I think it was the most unique experience because it was such an ancestral experience, creatively, but at the same time it was such a healing thing that I think everyone was drank from that project 
because they gave so much and they didn't even know that we were like all channeling some of like the ancestors who have left, who have actually fought those fights and have told those stories and lived those lives. And it moved us and helped push us through, make a project like that. I think that's one of the, honestly, I'm, I'm so grateful that all the things I've done before in my life have gotten me to a project like that because that was one of the first few projects where I was like, okay, this is a lot in terms of like how much I gave spiritually and physically, but also this is how I want to work. Like this type of, this type of output coming from this type of place and, and, and working with like the best artists that I can. Like, I just felt really blessed to be able to do that, honestly. But, I, but that project was like, yeah, this is how I want to be able to work from now on. And then now after years of, you know, pushing Babylon, you and Gianni have been doing your own thing and honestly you have both been killing it separately. I why the break with all that success with Riri and Thug, like if you guys were to come back together strong, what would you guys do? I mean, I know that you guys are cooking some stuff right now. Well, I mean, I think the break was more of a a shift in what we thought we could do. It was more of like you know, we started investing money and started started to get into other products and started making new things. And we just didn't really know how to invest money back then, to be honest. Like we didn't, we didn't go to, I mean, we went to school and learned business tactics and stuff, but like, we didn't really know how to run a brand properly. So I think like we were making investments at the time that, that just didn't pan out for us. So it was like, all right, we could just run it back and just do another run and to keep, keep pushing it or we could take a step back and figure out what we really want to do how far we're trying to push this thing. And then that took us from taking a, like a six month break to a year break to like a two year break. When it ended up happening in that time was like, we both started finding other practices that kind of started feeding us. So we started to realize like, yo, we can always come back to this. Like this, this for what we created with the brand and for we, what, what we were capable of doing for ourselves separately, I felt like we both felt like, I felt like more so, it was like, yo, if we just keep it on pause for right now and keep cultivating what we're doing and then when we come back together and make some shit, it's gonna, it's gonna blow up in a different way. And I think it's just because of like, it's gonna just make, it's cause we put ourselves in different pockets. And now like, even like what we do with the brand, like now we don't have to look for celebrities or people to put it on for it to make sense for people. It's like, no, like now what we've done on our own now it's a it's a it's more of like an art project and a collaborative project. So we wanted to reshift even the conversation of what it was. So now we're at a point where it's like, I think 2020 kind of messed us up a little bit because we had a really big collaboration that was supposed to release in 2020 with a really big brand too, like a heritage brand. So it was like, it sucks because that pushed a lot of stuff back. But trust me, it's 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 there. It's it's some heat. Wow. It's some heat there. Like I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what people think. Like when I let when people come over and they come see like some of the like designs and the samples of stuff we're about to drop, they freak out. I freak it's out. Just watching them freak out. Like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, this, it is a great feeling. Man. I feel like that's the reason I, I do it both. for the freak out. Like I do everything I make. I feel like I do it for, for to create a moment with people or for people to create their own moment on their own. I feel like it's the same way what I've been doing with my hats and what I've been doing with like a universe was like creating pieces that like the same it's kind of putting the same intentionality that I did we did with Babylon into like you know with a universe is the same thing it's like 
I want to create moments for folks. Like I want to, I want, I want someone to have one, an item that feels like it's the best thing they could ever possibly wear, but it also makes them feel the most strong, the most powerful, the most sexy, the most everything. Like the most, like you, you, you feel like you made a smart, made a smart choice. It's an investment. It says something that has value and you know, it's unique. Like those things are like what I want to give people when I make things. It's not necessarily for me or like the money or anything. It's really more about like how people feel when they put things on. Cause I've always, you know, like I said, like in, in the beginning for me, it was like I always wore crazy things. I've always wore abstract pieces or abstract fit or whatever, but I've always, it always made me feel a certain way. I think in that it was like, a, there was always like, mm -hmm. I know this is about to get a lot of hits, a lot of hate, <laughs> but, or I know this is going to kill him. One or the other, there was one or the other. It was always like one or the other, but any, any time, whether it was a good or bad thing, I've always had a conversation with somebody about it. Everything that you've been putting out with a universe, it's just been phenomenal. They're all conversation starters, like the bespoke one-off sweaters, the modular yeah. patchwork denim jacket, and now the infamous patchwork modular a universe trucker hat. They're thanks. all conversations. They're amazing. Yeah, like the, I mean, that. the war modulator truckers that you dropped on basic space, it caught my mm -hmm. eye like instantly, even on top of just like everything about it. It's like 3d in real life. Like it's amazing. Like the patchwork denim jacket. So good with the nine Velcro patches that you feature with your own original artwork. You have the signature a universe like logo. It's not like it's Babylon cartel too, by any means. It's like, this is like a whole new, it's, it's just you. Yeah, it's just like it was it was one of those things like it came out of doing small projects for like other companies and like doing for like for like brands or whatever. Like even though we weren't selling clothes for Babylon with Babylon Cartel, we started making products for like in collaboration with companies. So it was like we would do like small batch denim jackets. Like we did like 100 denim jackets that we released at like the Bro Museum with like Red Bull one. And we done we made like we would like do like design projects, t-shirt, t-shirt projects or hoodie designs or graphic designs for like other companies. And I started realizing like then there was things I was starting to get on my own. Like people would hit me up and ask me to commission them like pieces because I would always just make my own gear. I would just make, regardless of who's make, wearing, making Babylon Cartel or not, I still was making clothes every day. I was still was making sweaters, still was making jeans because I wanted to wear it. So I was just making stuff that I wanted to wear. So what ended up happening was, um, like someone asked me to make like, I think it was like 15 jackets for them. In that process, like it, yeah, it, it, it's going to come out more. Cause yeah, it's going to, it's going to release, we want to release like, we want to release the jackets um, in the story, like a little bit later. So then you'll know who the person is, but they, they, they kind of want to keep it under wraps right now, but it was like a special project with them. And out of that project made me realize like, yo, I've been sitting here just making a bunch of things for people and a bunch of art pieces that are one-off art pieces. I just need a platform to be able to for it to all just make sense so we can just forget the sign language. Instead of just like, oh, it's this thing that Aaron made or this thing that could be a Babylon cartel, but I don't know, or it's this thing that looks like something which I did. It was like, let me establish a design language so that way whenever I make, and a platform for it, so that whenever I make the things I make, people have something to reference to. Because I want all the things to like, still be under an umbrella where it's like, even like, a universe can like still fall under in the same, it's still in the same design space as like Babylon Cartel. They're different, but, and they're two, and that's a collaboration project. And this is very much like a singular project, but it still 
can still fall into the same literally universe. Cause like, that was the thing that we always wanted to do was like create these little planets. So it was like Babylon cartel was his own planet. Then that universe is his own planet. And what I'm doing with photography is his own planet, which Yanni was doing with his stuff over there is his own planet. So it's like creating all these planets so it can actually be a solar system. So it's like that people can connect like the energy or just like the, the, the languages or just like just the feelings or the, the whatever, just like it kind of all, it's kind of all still under one ecosystem, if it makes sense. Oh, it makes perfect like, sense. This is sci-fi as hell, but it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's bringing, and it makes perfect sense. All those movies I've been watching, man, watching Blade Runner and Mad Max and oh, Dune and every, like growing up on, on stars, on Star Wars. I'm a Star Wars head, by the way, not a Trekkie. Star Wars <laughs> head. That's, that's, that's a big deal. It's a big difference too. But yeah, it came from that, man. I, I, that's what I was inspired by when I was a kid growing up. It was all it was that it was like the future was like was was post apocalyptic and euphoric, or like dystopian futures, but also like utopian futures, like all of that. I was always into. I was always drawn to that. Grandma had me watching Star Wars at like four or five years old. And that's, we used to watch just hella Disney movies and hella future movies growing up. But yeah, that's why I don't know. I think it's hard for me to kind of not think of things in like such an ecosystem way, and how like an ecosystem, like down to like even like a cell. If you look at it like a cell, like an organism, like it has like membranes and it has like all these other like protons and neutrons and things that all are part of this one cell. That's a part of a bigger body. That's a part of a human body. That's a part of a community. It's a part of a globe, which is a part of a solar system. Which is a part. Like, if you go macro, you actually go macro, macro, macro. You still see that it's still it all boils down to just being an ecosystem. I've always been like kind of tied to that. And it makes perfect sense, the ecosystem. And with Philly, New York, LA, and you still coming back to Philly for the big cleanup Philly. Yeah, like, yeah the big cleanup, yeah. That's I love the it. new design that you did for them. Yeah, and thanks. And you wrote that it was created after Meeting of the Minds. I, I wanted to actually go to that meeting. Oh man, I wish you would have came to that, bro. It was a great, back. great experience. I love that you go back from time to time and beautify the neighborhood in Philly. Like yeah. I know Tierra Waggas came out the home. Everyone comes yeah. out and lends a hand, which is like amazing part of Philly. And that's why I always want to keep Philly on the map like that. Right. Hell yeah. And I feel like, all right, like to be honest, like that came out of like everything that was happening in like 2020. Like well, it's being in the pandemic, George Floyd's murder, the several other countless murders that has happened due to police violence and over-policing of Black communities. Like, we got to a point, like, you know, me and G was sitting sitting there and was like, bro, like, I don't know what to do. Like, I went to a march, I went to a protest, like, I felt like, I yelled and I felt better, but like, I don't know what to do, bro. Like, I'm sitting here with a bunch of people that's angry and like, yeah, we, we, we want to do something, but it's like, what can we really do? Like, that's in our wheelhouse or like, whatever we can like focus on. So we, since we didn't have the answers, we was like, yo, we got to call like a community meeting. So we did one in, in, in New York first. And we was like, we did it at the, at the Brooklyn, um, at the Brooklyn Museum. And a lot of our folks came out and a lot of our community came out. So basically the meeting in the minds was just, honestly, it was, a, it was a safe space for people to talk about what was going on and what we could possibly do to go forward. And we realized like a lot of our, a lot of the community members that came out in New York, like a lot of them was like, at least 75% of them were transplants. So these are a bunch of other people who like us who were living in New York that wasn't from that community. 
that was like, who, who were saying like, what can we do? We do, we do. When it's like, for us, when it's like, yo, we're part of a community that we're not even all the way a part of. Like, and there's people from New York that were coming like, yeah, well, we're doing this and we're doing this and we're doing that. I was like, damn, you know what? It's crazy because like, we're about to put all this energy into doing something like this in a city like New York, but we come from a city like Philly. So it wouldn't be right for us to just do and give all of our like, you know, our free time and man hours to a city like the city that we're just not from. Like, it, so we was like, yo, we got to do one in Philly. We got to figure out like where, what we can do in Philly, where we can, how, where we can have the same conversation. So we had a, the same conversation in Philly. We did a meeting minds in Philly. And out of that, after everyone's sharing what they can do, or share, sharing what they wanted, sharing what, they, what, they, what their thoughts were, their ideas, we had so many resources that ways that we could have went. We felt like the easiest thing, and I think like the um, at the time was to start a cleanup because it was like, we don't need a lot of resources. We got hands, we got bodies, everybody got a broom. We come out there and start cleaning up. We'll pick we'll pick a place, we'll pick a neighborhood, we'll just pull up. I'll ask, of course, ask the neighborhood leaders and ask the, you know, the community members like, you can't just pull up on somebody's block, and start cleaning. You gotta, you know, go talk to. You gotta <laughs> talk to some people. You gotta tap in. So you know, we, we tapped in at first. We tapped in first before we went to any community. We definitely hit up the like block leaders and like you know the dudes that be outside and like the the, the actual members of the community. And we started cleaning, and we and it and it felt like we can. That was the first thing we can do to to see actionable change. Because we looked at it like if you can clean your space up, from there you can start thinking differently. Like you're not like you think about it. Your room is a mess. If your if your studio's a mess, like if your brain's a mess, like you you have to get that clutter. You have to clean that, remove the things away, so you can start seeing possibility. And it was like more so a metaphor, but it was like also figuratively too. It was like now we're seeing how cleaning up the neighborhood has like brought us neighborhoods has brought us you know a better relationship with like other other members in, in in the city other people in the city but also how it's affecting the communities like how, how much people thank us and how much you know even like little kids are coming out and seeing us do this and now it makes them want to you know continue to beautify or protect what was already done for them or like you're just taking care of your own I feel like that's the biggest thing of like being part of community is like to take care of your own and I feel like you know with the big cleanup we had opportunity uh, now to like pivot because it was like, there are things that I really would like to put my, my time into that are that, that aren't just like cleaning up the neighborhoods, but you know, I'm, I'm busy. I got a job, you know, we got jobs, wear a lot of hats, but uh, <laughs> like you dig, Let's <laughs> but, go. Uh, but uh, at the same time, it's like someone had told me from the first meeting of months that we had that Everyone needs to figure out what it is that they want to focus on and what it, what the one problem they want to fix and just focus on that. You can't fix all the other problems. You're not, you, you literally can't, you won't be able to throw your energy so many different ways. It's not about trying to fix the, the best problem or the biggest problem. It's about people individually focusing on the problem and then us throwing support to the people that's focusing on the problem. Whether it's us showing up or sending our people out there, be like, yo, I got a boy, he's doing this over here, this community thing. You need to go check this out. Got a homegirl down here, she's doing this over here, you need to go check this out. Or they're doing this over there, you need to go check them out. I don't I, I can't I don't necessarily have to be a part of the structure of it being done, but throwing support, whether it's be my money, my body, or my folks, that's what it's really about. 
And that's where I'm at now with the big cleanup. It's like we've we've gotten this thing rolling. It's 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 going it's going amazing. It's getting bigger every every Sunday that we do it. But at the same time, it's opened up opportunities for all of us to like actually see the other places where we wanted to focus on, you know, with the better in our communities. And it's it's coming to us instead of having to go look for the opportunities. Now the opportunities we've created a magnet to where as though everybody who had who's part of the big cleanup can now also find the thing that allows them to feel more fulfilled and being of uh, helping to help help create change in the communities. My bad. I talk a lot, man. I'm, I'm long. No, that's really, <laughs> I, I absolutely am astonished and I, I can't wait for the next one. Honestly, yeah, man, love I, really come out, bro. I cannot wait for the next one. And I'm we glad that it's like all full circle back to Philly. Yeah. Well, hats off to you and all these things that you do for somewhere many hats to start solutions with the next a universe hat be another word. What do you mean? Would you would it say another word besides war, or would it be the next hat? Yeah. So the war hat. So the war hats are just a project. So the next hats are are definitely going to be like a whole whole other thing. But the war represents the internal war of every human has in evolution and in, in the evolutionary process of going from their learned behaviors and their old past traumas and ancestral trauma into going to a more evolved human being, leaving those past traumas, breaking those things, breaking those barriers. It's, 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 it represents the internal war. So that's what that piece is. And then like the next piece is going to be like a whole other thing. So I'm making like different colorways for that just because like people, you know, want to have variation. And I feel like, you know, this is one of those hats, like if I drop it, if I keep it out now and just let it stay out for like at least a year and just drop little colorways and stuff. I think it would it it go to a place that I would like for it to go, but the next hat is gonna be something totally different. The next piece is like I'm working on rain boots. I'm working on pants. I got some compression shorts, some scarves. I got a lot of got a lot of things that I'm dropping, and none of them want to say war on it. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that every piece has a story. It's very yeah. conceptualized. Everything's put together. It's organized. Yeah, I think it's because. Um, I look at what I do as art and I don't say that just because like I want to be full of myself or anything, but like I, from what I, from, from, the, from concept down to, to process, from concept to the process, to, 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 to finish in the product and how the product actually, how I want the product to be viewed in the world. I look at it from an artist's perspective entirely. And I think for, for me, it's like, I have to be, I have to put those intentions behind it because for me, everything that I've learned so far with it, whether it's through my experience with and, and working in fashion, film, TV, streetwear, or art, I don't know how to have the conversations with everybody to give them the tools to help them unlock themselves. I just nice. don't. I don't, and I don't have the time, nor do I even have the patience for people that, that honestly aren't ready to receive it. But what I, what I do know how to do is make product. And what I do know how to do is, you know, you create something that would be, you know, tasteful and enticing. So I feel like in order for me to make a product, I won't be satisfied if that product doesn't mean anything. And if it doesn't lead people to, 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 a, to an idea or to shatter an idea that they already had about themselves or something else. And I feel like that's really like what I like for like my art to like stand, whether it's a product or 
a video or a photo or an event, I want it, I want, the intention is always to have, to, for it to change the persons involved. Regardless if that happens or not, you know, I'm not always you know, responsible for that. I can't be responsible for like where it goes, but that is the intention that does go into, into my work. Beautifully said right there. If you were to get a chest tattoo quote in old English, what would, it, if you were to get a chest tattoo quote, what would it be? Well, I already have a chest tattoo. It's almost like, it almost looks like old English, but it says love again. But if I was to get another one, uh, what would that be? I think I would get like some sort of like cyborg, like humanoid, like creature, like coming out my chest. <laughs> it's like, like ripping through the skin. Like, I think that, that would be like a chest piece I would get if I was getting another tattoo. I don't know if it would say anything, but I know that's what it would be. Just cause I don't know. I felt like I've always like, you know, felt like this is like just one form of myself, like my human form. So I don't know. Maybe there's another form. form. It's like, yeah, it's just the one, one form, but it might, it might be a whole nother, I don't know, entity or like this form that I might, you know, cocoon and butterfly effect into or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, my, my, the, the one I have now says love again. And that was like, honestly, like it's a, it's a reminder, like to always like, regardless, like, of what circumstances, regardless of how, how much I've been hurt or jaded or anything about how much it, the that life will, you know, just flip me upside down and whatever. Like I always can find a, a space, you know, for love. And it was like, I got that when I was like 22. I wasn't even that deep then, but I guess I was. <laughs> I mean, sounds like throughout nice. your whole life, you've been deep <laughs> Pretty much. in a good way. Pretty much. <laughs> Plug your socials. Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on social at uh, Aaron period Babylon. That's like not the word period, but Aaron dot Babylon on Twitter, on, Inst on Instagram, Aaron dot Babylon on Twitter, Aaron Babylon. And my website is auniverse.gallery, no.com. So auniverse.gallery, you can find everything there. All my portfolio stuff, all my designs, all my work is all there. It's all live. And if you're looking to collaborate, same way. Easy way to find me. I hope Desire and Wear Many Hats collaborate with you sometime very soon. Super down. Super down to figure something out. Thank you, Aaron, for coming on Wear Many Hats. It was great to have you. No, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Till next time, this is Wear Many Hats presented by Desire, and I'm Rashad. Peace. Peace.